Hey, y'all, Jared here. Hotel DeVille is another name for Paris City Hall. What does that have to do with St. Louis? Well, at the corner of Tucker and Market, there is a spitting image of the original. It's called St. Louis City Hall. While management is sus, the architecture is simply incredible. Next time you book your stay in St. Louis, make sure you use explorestl.com to put together your tourist package and be sure to grab a crepe from Rooster as you stroll right past. It'll feel just like Paris. Mm, just less Parisy. On today's episode, we speak with Tampa Bay Rowdies President Ryan Helfrich. We talk all things Rowdy. We talk things like USL Championship and what their expectations are. And most importantly, we get his take on the Open Cup madness. And we touch on Tampa Top 10. Enjoy the episode, folks. Yo. Yo, yo, yo. Coming in hot today. I like it. You look like a like a workout guy today, man. You're, you're all in sweats. I am all in sweats. You look like Rocky when he showed up in <laughs> Russia. It's the modern day work from home suit. <laughs> this is what I wore to work today. <laughs> no joke. Yeah, COVID is all a uh, hoodie conspiracy. <laughs> I'm fine with it. What did people have when they had the flu in 2015? Hmm? They wore suits and stuff? What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I really don't. All right. <laughs> the Soccer Dad Pod, we're back. We're uh, we're going to be Zooming this one today. I'm rolling this in with a little Ryan Bingham, by the way. Just kind of, I don't know. I like him. I, I, I like it. I don't know him. He's okay. uh, You do know him. Uh, you know him for sure. Yellowstone boy. Yeah, I know him. Oh. I, I, yeah. This genre of music is... I like it. it. And it's amazing how much of it's popping up. And a lot of it sounds the same, but a lot of it has a lot of its own stories. I like this genre. Is it outlaw country? Is that kind of what this is? I would just call it. Because it's not bro country. I would just, that's what I would say. It's just not pop country. Yeah. Which, speaking of pop country, by the way, do you see uh, Bay released her. Uh, it's not a bad song. I love I, that Hold'em song. I, I absolutely I haven't love it. listened to it yet. <laughs> do you see the I'm shirt she's afraid. wearing in the video? No. I haven't watched the shirt she's wearing in the video is awesome. Would you buy one? I uh, no, because <laughs> okay. it's not appropriate for a male. Um, well, hey, let's do this. We got a short intro today because our guest is uh, zooming from the uh, Tampa area. Uh, when we move through our might be abbreviated intro here, uh, explore St. Louis, got to thank them out of the gate, and I want to point something out. Because we're going to drop this one. I'll probably drop it tonight. Same same day. Okay. What is today? Thursday? Thursday, yeah. Uh, City's home opener is in two days. Yep. Uh, so I did a little peek on Hotels.com. Um, literally 18 yards from the, what is that? The Southwest Gate. Yep. There are rooms for 120 bucks on Saturday night. Oh. Yep. Uh, little hotel... Uh, Named after a fruit and a uh, tree. And delicious chicken wings right below it. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things. Hey, it's a good opportunity. Check it out. If you're going to the game, even if you're not, if you're going to a future game. 21C had rooms for 200 night. Yeah. yeah. Saturday night. 
Uh, we're staying there Saturday night. Oh, yeah? You're staying? Remember? You're doing a staycation this weekend? Oh, that's right. You're I'm go- not going to be at the game, remember? They're going to the uh, Brahms slash Radiohead show at yeah. Stiefel. Stiefel. I did not remember. Do you, uh, you either it's our told anniversary. me I didn't listen or... Uh, probably that. And we'll forget about option B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, hey, thank you, Explore. STL.com on uh, supporting the show and bringing these deals to light, even though it's hotels.com. I went through that route. Um, Homebush also, uh, Homebush. Ambush has a home <laughs> game on Sunday. $20 tickets available. Go out there. We told you before, coldest beer in St. Chuck County. Uh, family friendly. Go check it out. Actually, there's three games. Yeah, just get off at Upper Bottom. Upper Bottom Road, <laughs> my pinnacle. What were they thinking? Point from a previous episode. Did you know that Back to the Future is full of ironic statements like that? Well, like well, Hill Valley is the name of the town. Is it kind of like our merch that said SDP Pod? Yes, except that's more <laughs> redundant. Not, yeah, redundant, not iron irony. But anyway, ours was just stupid. Well, um, ambush. Thank you for supporting. The show as well. You're listening. Give them a follow. Go check out a game. There's only a handful of home games left. Uh, and then we're going to be outside sweating probably as early as mid, early April, mid-April. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Love it. Mosquito bites. Bring them. Brings us to Chris, Bill, Pete, and the rest of the crew over there on the hill, thepinnacleloans.com. They make everything easy in the home business. Uh, I want to jump, just jump, jump right into it. And I'm going to go first today. I always ask you guys. Yep. My pinnacle point of the day, Serginho Dest. Uh, kind of ruffling some feathers. What, what did he do? I didn't even see it. I, he was talking about the Copa America and how it's come to oh, the United, yeah, States, United States. And, you know, obviously that's Brazil, Colombia, et cetera. Uh-huh. Uh, just, I'm just going to read his quote. His quote was... Uh, Copa. Sorry, hold on. I gotta blow it up a little bit. Uh, Copa America being in America, it's like the Euros being held in Africa. Um, hold on. There we go. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me, but nowadays everything is about the money. I'd love to have seen it in Brazil or Colombia and seen that passion for soccer. Should be a culture thing for the fans, but it's a business thing, unfortunately. End quote. Uh, my pinnacle point is he's not wrong. I mean, I love that U.S. soccer, MLS, U.S. Soccer Federation, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's putting big bucks into bringing the World Cup and getting these tournaments. But these prices, they're, they're, I, I, I'm conflicted on growth of the game versus the, the vibe. And I, I know what he was trying to say. But, you know, what do you do? I don't care. If people are upset with what he said, great. Sergino Des wins something. Uh, United States wins something. They're here, so maybe they have a chance to have some home field advantage because they don't have a chance in Brazil. Um, I I don't care. Uh, It it makes no difference to me if he says that, he thinks that, but I get the whole economics argument. No, it's one of those things. I mean, we were talking about this on the episode with Travis Thomas recently. Uh, culture and patriotism and everything else. Serginho Des, here's the one thing that I looked up. I was just curious. Born in the Netherlands in 2000, he was a uh, Netherlands club kid, uh, including Ajax for quite a while from 09 to 18, from 18 to 23 currently. 
uh, 24 currently. He's been playing pro in Europe. At a um, he's got 49 combined U.S. national team caps from 17s, 19s, and first team. But, you know, he's not too stoked with being played here. So I just found that interesting. I don't have much to say beyond that. Go ahead. Pinnacle point. Pinnacle point two. Going to be quick. Check that. Uh, <laughs> it, off the wall. KFC. Um, beautiful, delicious KFC. This Monday, what's your take on this, fellas? They're coming out with what they call cheesa. Cheesa. It's a chicken cheese pizza. You want me to tell you what it is? Uh, it's a fried piece of chicken as the crust, and on top of it, it's mozzarella and okay. cheese. Yes. My my reply to that is yes. I don't think. I mean, <laughs> are you if you if you show up at KFC, which you won't, but if you do, would you order the cheesa? I don't. I don't think so. I think I would try it. I would try it too. Is the price? <laughs> is it under five bucks? I don't know. Well, I, I take that back. I probably <laughs> would because I, I had the. Remember when Taco Bell had the chicken taco? It was made of like a rolled out piece of chicken. Yeah, yeah. I, I would assume it's the same thing. I would probably try it. Yeah. All right. No Monday. What you um, got? Mine is about city. Uh, we were all grateful to be at City Park on Tuesday night to watch City play Houston Dynamo, and Tim Parker scores again. And then Kojima gets his first goal in the uh, 90th minute, basically, or 85th minute. Um, Moral of the story is Parker should be striker and not stopper. (laughs) Something. But really what I was impressed by, and the reason I brought this up is because it felt so energetic in the stadium, even with a 4,000 seat deficit from the north wall showed up our supporter group was bald yeah well the the official number was just over twenty thousand. so realistically it's 2400 short of yeah so but it's it but it still was just the vibe was yeah it was great it was great all right that was quick i told you guys it was going to be a quick one i got more to say but i'm just going to shut up well you can um, can you do it quickly well uh, i also (laughs) want to say what today is to national chili day it's also National Margarita Day, isn't it? Isn't it National Something Day every, every day? I think it is, but National Chili Day is hit. I just want to be on that committee. All right. I do too. We'll be back right after this break. Hey, everyone. Buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid... You're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough. It's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit thepinnacleloans.com. That's thepinnacleloans.com. Simply the best in home loans. Oh, yay. Good choice. You like that one? Yep. This is my, this is actually my favorite Chris Stapleton song. Yeah, did you work out today in those sweats? <laughs> I, today is the only day I didn't work out. Simply <laughs> <laughs> day off? It was my day off, yeah. Was, oh, your, was your liver sore from the last week? Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your uh, your wife joined us last night watching training a little bit. Yeah. She sure. gave us a recap. I'm sure she did. Yeah, it was pretty impressive there, Zach. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. tried for 30 minutes to get you in trouble. Yeah, well. Did she tell you? No, but... I don't need a lot of help. 
Well, we are, we're back from a quick break. We're actually, uh, Zach, where are we, by the way? We are at the Philip Schneider House here in Soulard, historic Soulard, St. Louis. And uh, thank you to Katie and Ty for hosting us once again. If you are interested in staying downtown St. Louis and you don't want to stay at a hotel and you've got a decent sized group, or if you want a nice romantic getaway, this... <laughs> Four stories worth of well, a romantic no, I was, getaway. I was thinking of the, the carriage house. So the carriage <laughs> house is attached and that's a nice little one bedroom spot or big group here in the, the Schneider house. So check it out on Airbnb. Yeah. Not only fans, right? No. Okay. Not, cool. not yet. All right. We got our guest here. <laughs> he's, 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 sit, he's sitting via Zoom thinking to himself, what, oh, what did I agree boy. to do here? <laughs> Without further ado, Ryan Helfrick. Tampa Bay Rowdies, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. You, uh, it, as I was stating before, we came on the line here. Um, Soccer is a small world, and uh, Tampa Bay actually is like one of those cities. There's a few cities actually across the country that has, over the past 50 years, really had a consistent flow of St. Louis bodies in there. Mm-hmm. Tampa on a kind of on another level, really. Yeah, I would say it has to be up there with maybe Houston or Dallas for a lot of just people from St. Louis that play soccer going through Tampa Bay, going all the way back to the early 90s. Yeah, so now that we've established that, Ryan, first question, is that is that why you decided to work there? All the St. <laughs> Louis guys? <laughs> that, that's it. That's, that's all right. It. Great, man. Appreciate you coming on. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, just if you don't mind, just take, you know, take a little bit of time here. Uh, give our listeners just a quick update. Uh, name a little bit of background, what your title is with the club, and then we're going to get into what's going on down there in the Bay Area. Cool. So I am the president of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I've been with the club since 2010. So I was one of the first handful of employees that started with the club in the modern era. And I probably have um, a little bit of a different pathway to uh, to get where I'm at today from, from most people in this position. I started out calling people like you guys trying to sell season tickets. So I started out in ticket sales, and before I was with the uh, the Rowdies, I was with FC Dallas in uh, in Major League Soccer. So that's where I started my career. Came here in 2010. One of the first people that I met, a first day on the job, was Perry Vanderbeck. He was the general manager of the Rowdies at the time, and essentially moved my way up through uh, through ticket sales to corporate partnerships, um, and then I oversaw all of business operations. And here I am now, team president. So uh, it's been a wild ride, but I will say one of the benefits I think about working in the USL championship and in lower division soccer here in the States is you really get to understand uh, the totality of the business side and the team side. Um, When I was at FC Dallas, it it was just a focus on ticket sales and that's it. When you start with a second division club and 2010 and there's only eight to ten clubs in the entire league you are you're doing a little bit of everything so gained a lot of experience that way met a lot of cool people but more importantly uh i'm just passionate about the game of soccer i love it i can't get enough of it (laughs) i eat breathe sleep it i'm sitting in my office now but uh I always tell people if my wife were to ever leave me, I would just put a cot in here, sleep in here, and uh, where, I love what I, where. So where's where's original home? 
Like, where'd little Ryan kick it around in the backyard? Yeah, outside of Cleveland, Ohio. So I grew up with uh, the Cleveland Force, and then they uh, they transitioned to the Cleveland Crunch in MISL. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I grew up. And until I moved to Dallas, I didn't realize that there were uh, places where you could see the sun. <laughs> yeah. yeah we've been we've been to cleveland akron area that's it's a little shady <laughs> it is a little shady yeah there's so, some good soccer up there now though with uh university of akron they've done mm-hmm. a great job over the years and one of our former players michael nanchoff um he he runs a soccer club up there and he's still very involved and uh yeah we have we have really good relationships all over the country but as you guys know soccer is a small world once you get in. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how small it is because Jared Embeck up there at Akron, he was a mm-hmm. freshman when I was a senior in high school. We grew up together. He was he was our ball boy until oh, he wasn't. <laughs> so it's, yeah, small world, man. Uh, go, go ahead, Jared. You know, I, I want to get right into the Tampa Bay Rowdies um, and, and, and you can kind of spitball. I know you guys are really gearing up for this championship season. It starts here in early March. I think your first game is the 16th on Saturday. I could be mm-hmm. wrong there. Um, can you talk about the USL Championship League in general? And we're going to get into the, the meat and potatoes of it. But that stadium, um, old baseball stadium, right on the bay, and, and Tampa Bay being really one of the flagship USL franchises, uh, along with some of the other ones we can name. But um, how, how much how much work goes into starting this season and, and, and getting it started off on the right foot? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is, and it's a big misconception in professional sports, but specifically soccer, everybody thinks when we hit the offseason, outside of signing new players, um, they think it's a rest period for everybody. It's actually the busiest time of the year um, because you're putting your plans and strategies in place, and you're really starting to execute those plans and strategies from the business side and from the team side. I think for us, going back to even last year, um, we've been through a lot as an organization, uh, specifically on the team side. We had Neil Collins here, one of the winningest coaches in, in USL championship history, who ended up leaving for Barnsley in, uh, in July. At the time that he left, we were on a 12-game unbeaten streak. Um, team was flying high, playing really well. Uh, we brought in an interim coach, Nikki Law, who's, who's a current assistant with us at this time. Um, we finished the season okay, but not the way that we wanted to finish, uh, not on that high note. And uh, to be perfectly blunt, we got smashed in the playoffs by Birmingham, something that we, we just haven't been accustomed to the last five years. So we we obviously had to do some soul searching, and specifically on the team side, we decided to, uh, to make the decision to bring in a new gaffer. Um, interviewed quite a few people, but uh, we felt like Robbie Nielsen, who's here now, was the best fit for the organization. His experience uh, as a manager, specifically in the Scottish Premier League, which is huge. Uh, He won two Scottish uh, championships over there. Wow. Um, Most recently, he was with Hearts. So we brought him in a little bit different perspective than Neil, but but overall, uh, great guy team has bought in right away. Um, obviously, we've we've worked on bringing in talented players. 
we we probably I know we don't have the highest payroll in the league, um, but it's about getting the right pieces to fit our system and the way that we like to play. And I think one thing that Robbie would tell you uh, even more importantly is finding just good human beings, right? Guys that not only are great on the field, but are great off the field. That's the Tampa Bay Rowdies way. I mean, that's one of the first things I learned from Perry when I got here in 2010. It's that the uh, the players need to be a part of the community. And I think that's that's really important. So we have our guys going out and doing youth clinics throughout the week, visiting hospitals. Um, we have some uh, two players right now out at a children's cancer center, which is awesome, um, meeting with the kids. Uh, so again, it, it's been very positive for us. When it comes to right now, where we're at and where we hope to be, you know, I want to say over the last four or five years, the goal for us has always been to play in the big games. Yep. Um, a goal now is not to just play in the big games, it's to win the big games, right? Yeah. We've tasted it. We've tasted defeat in the biggest games. Uh, we went to back-to-back USL Championship Finals in 2020, 2021, and 20. Unfortunately, it was canceled yeah. due to COVID. Yeah, yeah. You guys and had then a good in, um, that, that year, I think, too. You guys, were, you, you guys had a good foot forward that year. That was unfortunate that it canceled for you because that could have been yeah. another star for that uniform. Definitely. And then, and then 21, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better. A great run in the season, huge run in the playoffs. You go up to Louisville city, mm-hmm. they're in a new stadium. Um, uh, that was actually in 20 and 21 Louisville city came here. We're down two nothing in the Eastern conference finals in the 83rd minute, uh, scored a goal, got another one in the 96th minute. Yeah. And then, uh, went to extra time, ended up beating those guys, catapulted us to the finals. And we were flying high. We were confident, maybe maybe overconfident, right? Um, and we got smashed. We got smashed by Orange County, three to one. And I think there were just a lot of lessons to be learned, right? Uh, the job's not done until it's yeah. done. And uh, we're, we're in the business of collecting hardware and trophies and adding that third star. And that's what we're going to strive for this year. That, um, that's exciting. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, that, that that's exciting. You got you guys got it cooking down there. Um, you, you mentioned soccer being a, a small world. Well, Jeremy Allenball, the president of USL, which is right down the road there in St. Pete. Um, can you talk about what that group's doing for the USL championship with the TV stuff coming to 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 the league and and, and having some nationally televised games? Um, it's exciting because, you know, with the USL office being down the street from you and you guys being one of the flagship um, franchises in the league, um, how, how nice is it to have him um, local there with you guys and helping this this ball, this this thing get moving? Yeah, I think we're we're fortunate to have the, the league in our backyard. Um, 20 minutes up the road from us definitely helps. Uh, I think it's been good for the league. Some of the new leadership that they brought in, Jeremy Allenbaugh, has been great. Mm-hmm. It's it's great when you can have the president of the league um, at times make it out to your matches and you can stand there, talk to him, pick his brain, get his perspective on things. Where can we improve upon? Not only uh, not necessarily on the field, but off the field as well. Um, and he's been involved in the game so long. Uh, you. You just try to take tidbits here and there and try to implement them into into your daily routine. Um, So we have a strong leader in him, and then we have a strong leader in the president of all the USL, Paul McDonough, who's been great as well. 
advocate for the game um, and and he fights for the clubs. And I think really what, what impresses me most is when I was at FC Dallas 2007 to 2009, um, you didn't even think about the USL. You didn't think about second division soccer. You know, you would go into the US Open Cup and it's like, who are these guys that were playing? Um, and and now the league has grown to a point that people are starting to recognize us, uh, not only as a competitive league, but there's been several players here over the last couple of years that have been sold over to Europe for, you know, over seven figures, which is big for the league. Mm-hmm. It's not just a development league, right? Um, now, listen, we'll develop players, and if the timing's right and the money's right, we'll, we'll move them. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, this is a a league that I don't think if you don't follow it closely, you don't understand how competitive it is. You can't just come in here, whether it's even Robbie coming in or when we had Neil, it doesn't matter the experience that you have. It's different. It's a physical league. Um, the well, physicality is much different than most of the other leagues. And, uh, it's it's really impressive what they've done, and again, thanks to Paul and Jeremy for for really helping well, put let, us all on. Let's yeah, get it. Let's yeah, well get said. it. Let's get into a little bit more of the culture and kind of the the, the geography associated here too. You guys have twenty four teams, I believe, that are in the mm-hmm. in the league, and then you have and you have four more that are going to be added. Uh, I, I guess within the next year to two years. Um, so, and the one thing when you look at the teams, you see you see cities like Birmingham, you see cities like uh, uh, Louisville is a great example. Yeah, Louisville and Omaha, Omaha these these what, that are clearly like second tier, you know, in, m- smaller me- metropolitan areas. Let's just call it sports markets. But at the same time, you have Miami, you've got Phoenix, you've got Tampa, and the one thing that when we had Jeremy on the show, we were talking about some of the advantages that the league has and, and developments like uh, physical developments. Talk about the cities that are coming on board and these soccer specific stadiums and what that means to you guys as you travel around, you know, from a, from a facility, from a, from a optic standpoint, how important is the growth, not only in adding these teams, but Increasing the facility aware uh, size and soccer specificity. Excuse me. <laughs> Go ahead. I like it. Um, it's huge, right? Like there, you can't deny it. Again, when when we started back here in the modern era in 2010, nobody was playing in soccer specific stadiums outside of Carolina Railhawks in um, Cary, right? Uh, and you know, 2010, when we started, we were playing in Tampa at Steinbrenner Field, and that's where the uh, Tampa Yankees do spring training. And we were playing over clay. Like, we didn't have, we didn't even have Scott <laughs> laid down over the clay, right? The sight lines were, were not good for the fans. Uh, it was tough to watch just based on the facilities and trying to retrofit a soccer pitch onto a, a baseball stadium or a baseball field uh, was tough. Um, the travel was difficult. We were going all the way up to Edmonton, uh, which again is, you know, six to eight hours in a flight. Um, and I really think over the last five years, and it's, you're just going to continue to see it. These markets might be smaller, but they're really investing in their clubs. 
and and you can see it. I think there's still obviously work to be done around the league, right? We play in a stadium that was built in 1947, 1948, and we've done renovations to it. And I think it's it's one of the best locations uh, in the United States of America when it comes to any type of sport stadium. Um, being on the, the waterfront in a downtown urban setting with bars and restaurants all around you. Oh, yeah. But you're starting to see it, right? Like you go to Louisville City right. and you're in a 15,000 seat state of the art stadium and you're playing in front of 15,000 people. They at least get 15,000 people when we play them because they want to beat us so bad. Um, and it, it just creates, it's a different atmosphere. It's, it's completely different than what it was uh five years ago you have rhode island who's coming into the league this year rhode island they're working on a, a stadium project and a redevelopment project so um several of these clubs are looking at okay we've done well we've operated okay from a business standpoint we're starting to do better on the field how can we increase the overall fan experience and, and really start to build these soccer specific yeah. stadiums and there's there's a market for it and if you build it, you guys know this story. If you build it, they'll come. Um, and you're starting to see that around the USL. And I think it shows the momentum that we have, where we're going as a league. And I think, again, 10 to 15 years from now, you're you're going to see a lot of new stadiums popping up in these smaller markets. Yeah. TV don't come without people. I can tell you no, that. Yeah, they're not going to go ahead. They're not going to pay for TV rights if there's not viewers. Yeah. So my question is more on the business side, Ryan. And mm -hmm. From my understanding, you guys are owned by the same group as the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Is that correct? The baseball team, or not Devil Rays anymore, the, the Rays. Is that still the correct? Rays. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. So that's kind of a unique situation that I don't know too much about. Um, but mm -hmm. obviously, we're in year two of the MLS here in St. Louis. And, you know, there's always talk about black versus red as far as how the team's operating. And that's one of your responsibilities, I'm, I'm assuming. So talk a little bit about the culture that you guys are trying to create, knowing that the Rays organization is also part of the overall organization. Yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. There's one other club in our league, uh, San Antonio FC. They're owned by the, the Spurs, Spurs Sports and Entertainment, which mm -hmm. which is good, right? I think for us, it's been it's been such a positive experience. Uh, I've been through three different ownership groups. I respect each of the ownership groups that, that have brought the Rowdies to where they are, but I can tell you that we haven't had uh, a group as I would say supportive um, of the Rowdies um, like the Rays have been, and that's not a knock on previous ownership groups. Um, and I'm still close with individuals who my my prior bosses. However, I think there's something to be said when the Rays acquired us and we were like, man, there's going to be wholesale changes, right? Front office changes, staffing changes, things like that. And really, you know, one of the first conversations that we had is with uh, with the, uh, the leadership at the Rays was, you guys know soccer, you understand soccer, you keep doing what you're doing, right? We want to win games. Um, but they, they allow us to make mistakes. They allow us to learn from those mistakes. They challenge us to be better uh, each and every day. I think one of the unique aspects that we have as an organization, our entire front office outside of the team side and technical staff 
is located over at Tropicana Field. Yeah. So I'm sitting in Alang Stadium right now. This is where I'm at typically on, on match days and, and sometimes a couple days leading up to the match. However, we're, uh, we're completely embedded with the Rays culture, which is great. I think they probably have one of the best cultures, if not the best in all of sports. And I think the reason for that is because it's a people first culture, right? They really do it. They don't just say it, they put employees first. Um, and I think for us to, to be able to continue to grow, we have so many resources around us. So our front office staff, we only go about 30 people deep. On the raise side, they go about 300 to 400 right. people. Yeah, wow. Right? So we're the size, as an organization, we're the size of some of the departments that the raise have. But it's nice when we come up with an idea, even on the business side, it could be marketing, where we can go and meet with the VP of marketing from the raise, bounce ideas off of each other, see what their thoughts are on it, and you know, collaborate on different areas that we need to improve upon, collaborate on different projects that we want to work on together, or even collaborate on just projects for the rowdies that that we can utilize their resources. That's really cool. I, I you said the word marketing, and I got to bring this up right now. Um, you're a couple, three weeks off the first game. You're, you're going into the season and I know the buzz has got to be high or at its highest right now. What are the fans? What are your supporters? What's the, what's the reaction with the retro jerseys with the hoops on the sleeves? (laughs) I mean, the people that live there, like what, what's Perry? He's a Tampa Bay rowdy. I mean, through and through what's does Perry like the, the, the hoops on the sleeves. Does he get a custom like PJ set and he just sleeps (laughs) in it all the time? I I just listen, Perry's got his Jersey retired in the stadium. He's in what we call the 75 10 club, which is similar to a ring of honor. We'll get Perry's customized kit, um, <laughs> but he, he doesn't have one yet, but we'll definitely take care of him. But listen, in all seriousness, I think that the supporters, the fans, they're excited. We we had the hoop kits. I actually have one in my office. I'll show you guys. Um, we wore these back oh, yeah. in 2010 all the way through 2014. Um and then and then we went to uh we went to nike and we were with nike for a while and then we switched over to puma we're currently with puma now and the custom designs were just it it was challenging to do right um so being able to bring those back this year it's been a big hit with the fans they're all super pumped for them it's listen that's who the rowdies are yes it's the hoop sleeves it's the hoop kits and uh it's that retro looking rowdy's word mark like you see on my chest right here Mm -hmm. it's recognizable and uh the the great part is when you talk to people in this region everybody knows who the rowdies are now the challenge we have one thing that we continue to work on is okay yeah you know who the rowdies are you say you're a big fan last time you made it out was in the 80s Right or in the seventies, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, so, you know, you guys need to come back out. Well, so this this is where I want to go. I'm going to go backwards just a little bit. I want to bring the Tampa uh, Rays org back into the conversation yeah. in in light of what we're discussing now, because you know you talk about Tampa Bay Rowdies, and you're right. There's there's a 30, 40, 50 year history there that you know you've got a lot of like gray hairs that remember when right they were mm-hmm. part of that first wave. And now you fast forward to today and, you know, you, you could argue, we could all argue that there is no sport growing faster than soccer in America from a standpoint of uh, awareness uh, and obviously participation on both the boys and the girls side, et cetera. 
So when you do work with an organization like the Rays, you know, because MLB, they're a behemoth, right? But MLB, there's very few teams in the league that can guarantee 40, 45, 50,000 people a game if you're not winning, mm-hmm. right? So in your world, um, and given the culture of soccer, and this is where I'm going with this, the culture of soccer has always kind of been around. It's been part of the fabric of, of cities like Tampa, historically in St. Louis, obviously where we're at, we is, you know, different beast. Um, but how has it been in trying to grow the team, grow uh, attendance, grow awareness it, with the Rays being there? And they're two different cultures. You know, soccer is different than baseball. So yep. how have you guys blended that expectation when, to a degree, baseball isn't losing popularity? It's not just not growing at the rate soccer is. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think a uh, couple things with that. Number one, um, I think in this market and just just in general, right, it's still challenging to, to get people in the stands. You know, people can sit at home. They can watch it on TV. I always like to explain it with soccer supporters and soccer fans. It's a, it's a participatory sport, right? You have the supporters, they're singing, they're chanting, they're waving the flags, they have the smoke bombs, and they're going from the the time the game kicks off until the end of the match, right? Um, whether the team's winning or losing, they create that atmosphere in the stadium. I mean, you guys see it in St. Louis. And, and you probably walk in that stadium and it, it just gives you chills. Oh yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's the uniqueness of it, right? It's, it's soccer's it's, it's different in the sense of when you think of it, the game around the rest of the world, you have generational fans, right? Their, their parents went to the games, their grandparents went to the games, so on and so forth here. I see, Soccer in the United States, soccer in USL championship, it will become generational. We're not there yet. We're still, we're in elementary school right now, right? So it's going to take another 10, 15, 20 years to really get it to where we want it to be. Um, however, I think that as the, the sport continues to grow, as we continue to be a part of the community and engage with people like Jim Hart, who's running the Tampa Bay Top 10 Champions League here, um, I think that is that that's only going to help us grow uh, and continue to grow. When we talk about blending the two cultures, right? I think there's there's obviously a difference, but when it comes to the organization, it's it's very similar. So the culture is different when it comes to the fan bases, right? Baseball is much slower. Um, Soccer is quick. It's ninety minutes. There's no in between innings or timeouts or anything like that. But as an organization, our, our mission is um, to energize the community through the magic of rowdy soccer and raise baseball. And that's something that we live by. And we don't want to just be a club for the community. We want to be the community's club. And okay. I think there are two big differences in that. And that's something that we really, we really strive to focus on. That's awesome, man. Well, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break because we're down here. What's the name of the house again? Philip Schneider. Philip Schneider house. How do you get it on Instagram? On Airbnb or on Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Uh, these two need to refill beers and bring me one since they didn't bring me one here. Yeah, so Ryan, don't go anywhere, dude. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some refills. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a little open cup 
Cool. And probably a little more open cup. Pro yes, rel. And, and pro rel. And we also <laughs> have to talk about the, the, the Tampa top 10 league, the Champions League. Yep, yep. That's at Rowdy Stadium. Yep. Yeah. Give us two give us two seconds. We're gonna be right back. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you. A loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to twelve bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Okay. You down with that one? Yeah, this is one of my favorites. Is it? Oh yeah, that's one of your favorites. Oh yeah, really? Folsom. Oh yeah. Uh, is it projection? Like, did you always want to be like a badass, get locked up a little bit, or is it just purely no, music? I just liked it because it's so nerdy, musicy. But the Tennessee too. No, I just like that he has a lower register voice. Oh, you do. Well, yeah. and uh, I think he would have been a killer baritone. Oh yeah. You, you there's a lot of similarities uh, in the last oh. four or five days of your life on the very end of Johnny Cash's oh, sure. uh, life. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are making it out like I was on like a bender. I uh, well, I saw the video. <laughs> the video. The Ask video. Mandy. Yeah. Hey, we're back with Ryan from Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, we are Entering into the second half, um, Ryan. Again, thank you for your time, man. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, and Zach kindly gave us refills. I mean, look, dude, if you if you were in the loo, man, we'd be hooking you up, chicken wings and well, beer and, and everything. And but uh, to go back, we are at the PS house. Part of the benefit of staying here in the main house is kegerator. There's a kegerator. Yeah, and it's the PS house, stl.com. Pool table. Pool table, everything. It's great. It's great. Love it. Um, yeah, we hold on. I got to jump in. We have been given Ryan some serious softballs. It's been pretty, pretty softball. Jump in here. And he's done a great job. I mean, this of is also knocking him out of the park into no, the bay. What's the, what's the oversized softballs? Too? What's, isn't there like two sizes? Uh, We've been giving him the big ones. Yeah. The rubbery ones. Yeah. There you go. So <laughs> obviously in St. Louis with the MLS now, we follow Don Garber and decisions made by the MLS and U.S. soccer around the U.S. Open Cup. And Ryan, we always try to make sure that we don't put anybody in a bad spot. So you can answer this however you want. I'm going to leave it as open-ended as possible to keep your sanity and your job um, and, and no hate mail. But with all the things that have been going on, I'd really like to get into just how important the U.S. Open Cup is to the USL in general, and then more specifically to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And U.S. soccer. And then U.S. soccer more broadly than that. And again, we're not asking you to speak for the entire league. Unless uh, you want to. But I, I just want to, <laughs> I, I, I want to get your perspective on, on what's been going on. 
Yeah, um, loaded question. So let's talk about just the U.S. Open Cup in general, and then we can dive more into the uh, the details. Um, it's the longest running tournament here in the United States, and it, it means so much to this country. It means so much to the game. Um, you know, people people might follow the FA Cup over in the UK, right? And and you see the the upsets. And you see Premier League teams go to third division teams, fourth division teams, et cetera. And uh, it's something that's that's unique to this country. It's something that we take very seriously. Um, it means it means a lot to the Rowdies, being um, being that we've been around since '75. We're going on our 50th anniversary uh, coming up next year, and I think. Um, I think for the league, it's it's big for the league too, right? It's it's our chance to showcase second division soccer against MLS clubs and, and really see where we stack up against the the best best clubs in our country. Um, so it's quite an experience. I think over time, um, it 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 has definitely grown. I know there's been some hiccups along the way. Um, for us specifically, uh, I mean, it's it's been challenging to see and to hear the things happening behind the scenes. Um, we know that there's there's reasons why um, MLS is you know giving some pushback to it. Um, but for us as an organization, for us as a league, um, it's it's something that's near and dear to a lot of the clubs in this league. Uh, you have regional rivalries. You know, we have Orlando City 90 minutes up the road from us. Uh, they don't like us. We don't like them. Um, and it, it's been that way since Orlando City was in the USL and we were in the old NASL. Um, and then we came into the USL and uh, Orlando City was already in Major League Soccer by that time. And listen, they've knocked us out of the, the cup plenty of times. But Every time we get a chance to go against those guys and we get to stack up against them, it's it's something special, not only for our community, but for their fan base as well. Um, and I think as with, with the U.S. Open Cup and just all the noise that's been around it, regardless, and I'm speaking for the Rowdies now, regardless of who's participating in it, who's not participating in it, we feel like it's our duty as a club to play in a tournament that's that's really the country's tournament and um it's it's an honor to play play in the cup and uh, we're looking forward to competing in it this year i think there's obviously you know um i would say there's obviously a little bit of a letdown, right? Not having all the MLS clubs in there because you want to play against the best. And it, and it's not a knock on the third division clubs or some of the amateur teams that are entering. But I think anybody who is involved in professional sports, professional soccer, you, you want to play the best and you want to play at the highest level and see how you stack up against do, them. Do, do you guys see the potential though, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of like a, an opening really because if you, fo I'm sure you're following it, and I won't ask you, you know, specific opinions on it. But there's a lot of pushback, and not only from what I would consider like OG Open Cup fans, but just your run-of-the-mill MLS fans in their markets are also not happy with this decision. With this decision, 
do you see this as because the Open Cup's going to go off? I mean, you you guys are going to have the tournament. You're going to run, and whatever happens with MLS or not, the the tournament is going to exist. You know, for for the near future at a minimum. Do you see it as an opportunity to move into these other markets? Because we, I mean, right now we're a nation of we 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 love that pushback. Like ah, screw the man. Well, this is one of those opportunities where you have a tournament that was literally for the people, right? That is now mm-hmm. going to probably more mainstream than it was last year with the MLS teams in it because of the news. Do you see it as an opportunity to shine a brighter light on the quality of USL and the other teams that are going to still be participating? You know, I, I, that's an interesting question, right? I've never necessarily thought of it that way. Um, I do think it it is a... It's an opportunity for us to showcase the talents that that this league has to offer, and the the clubs within this league. Um, again, uh, for us specifically, um, we feel, and I think Robbie would tell you the same. Like we would put our team up against anybody, uh, Major League Soccer, USL Championship. I'm not sure what the results will be, but the one thing that I can guarantee is, you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to give 100% effort. Um, you're going to see hard work. You're going to see a positive attitude. You're going to see the game played the way that it should be played. And, uh, and we're aggressive, right? Um, I do think that there's several other clubs within USL Championship that, that also have the opportunity to really showcase the talents that that the the rosters that they have intact are, are <clears throat> clubs and teams to be reckoned with, right? Um, and again, U.S. Open Cup, there's always upsets. You know, a couple of years ago, Sacramento made it all the way to the finals against Orlando City. I think it was a great story for the league. I think it was a great story for their region and their fan base. Um, throughout that match, I remember they kept uh, going back. And I don't know where it was in Sacramento, but there was a it was a gym or an auditorium full of people, and they had these huge watch parties going yeah, on. Yeah, it was cool. And I think it's it's one of those things, right? It brings people together, and it also, as you progress in the tournament, it also brings in your casual soccer fans. It brings in people that don't know much about the game, and they want to be a part of it because they they see, they hear the importance of it. And I think that's something that we want to continue to build upon and, and really see if we can make a run at that's this thing this year. So, well, speak on this a little bit, because in our domestic, in the United States here, in our game, let's no secret, soccer is fighting the big four, the big three, or whatever we want to call it. And, and, and until soccer moves up the ranks, they're going to continue to fight them. None of those other sports, they don't have a competition like this. And, and and for our top dog league to be able to not try to celebrate it, it's just unfortunate because what you just spoke about, the upsets, you guys beating Seattle Sounders in 2013, uh, I mean, the runs, you just mentioned them. Those things are exciting. People get on board. I, I, to, to be able to poo-poo this and put it off to the side is – is a mistaken judgment. Clearly, is a mistaken judgment. <laughs> yeah, and I opened the question very open ended, without our flavor to it. And I think we're all three very pro U.S. Open Cup with full participation from the MLS. Yeah, but- because you, look, we as a nation, 
we love the underdog. We do. I mean, I, I, I compare the Open Cup, especially given everything that's going on, to March Madness. You know, where it's like, okay, look, you, you got to qualify in and you, mm-hmm. you come from these smaller D1 programs, but, you know, there's nothing better than a 16 knocking out a one. Yeah. Right. Well, and, especially and, when it's and, Kansas. And, and the Open Cup provides that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Especially when it's Kansas. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this then in regards to the Open Cup. Um, and this is just really kind of your experience. Is it, do you get more jacked up to, swing at an MLS club historically or do you get more nervous when the little guy comes to your house? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say you get jacked up to play the MLS club, right? Like you go into every game and I would think this way and it, it, it's my mindset. I think it's our coaching staff's mindset. It's our players' mindset, right? You go into games expecting to win, expecting to perform. Um, these guys are professionals, right? Um, I don't think they're nervous to play anybody. I don't get nervous before matches. I'm actually pretty even keeled, but, uh, that's also cause I'm not on the touchline or on the sidelines. Uh, but I do think, you know, even when you play a lower division club, right. You know, that they're coming in looking for the, the right. upset. That's their Super and, Bowl. Yeah. And, and you need to prepare for it. Like it's your Super Bowl. Right. Um, and that's how you really have to prepare for every match. You know, you hear from some coaches, whether it's league play, whether it's open cup. And I know we've had this over time, but, you know, you go into the match and maybe you're on the road and it's like, ah, if we can just get one point, that would be great. Um, but I think we take the stance of we want to get three points. We want to win matches every game. Right. We're not we're not going into matches saying like, oh, if we can just get to 90 minutes with a draw and get to extra time and then we'll see what happens. Um, and I think it's it's unique. Right. It's unique when you have two years ago, we went to Orlando City. They knocked us out of the Open Cup. They went on to win the Open Cup. Last year we hosted Houston. Houston comes here. We had our chances. We didn't capitalize on them. I, I would venture to say if you go back and watch that match, we outplayed them in the second half. And I would say we probably outplayed them about 65, 70 minutes of that that match. We lost one nothing to them. They won the Open Cup, right? Um, you really get up to play the top talent sure. that the country the country has to offer. Let me let me let me shift gears a little bit. <clears throat> I'm going to get into kind of the other two bookends around your organization and selling tickets and just kind of having your league presence. And that is from a pipeline a development or a scouting perspective, you know, because a lot of our listeners, you know, in this particular market, uh, were a little bit into the STLFC days, right? Mm -hmm. But right now, over the last two years, when they think of American pro soccer, they think of uh, U15 academies and this pipeline straight up and signing homegrowns and going to the MLS draft and picking, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Talk about the USL process, specifically for Tampa Bay. What does it look like when you guys are looking for talent, when you're looking for young talent in particular? I, I, I want to stay away from the, the premier players, but what, yep. what's, your, what, what's your process? Where are you guys looking? Are you looking at college? Are you looking at MLS, MLS you know, benchers? Are you looking at, where, where are you looking these days? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. And um, 
again, when you think about our club and just the way that we do things um, and the way that we operate, you really can't leave any stone unturned, right? So we we obviously look at the youth market, not only regionally here in, uh, in Tampa Bay, but you also look in Miami, you look in Orlando, you look around the state of Florida, there's so many, so many good soccer players in this area. We also have great relationships with a lot of the college coaches here in the area, whether it's University of South Florida, University of Tampa, their D2 school, but we've had players come through that program. We've had players, Jeff Antonella, who played in Major League Soccer, uh, Portland Timbers goalkeeper before that, who's back up to um, <clears throat> Nick Ramondo in, Ramildo in, uh, at Real Salt Lake. He came from USF and he came through that pipeline. Um, we also look at, at the guys that are sitting at the end of Major League Soccer benches or on their reserves team. And uh, if we feel like they're a good fit, we'll bring them in. We, we've had guys, last year we had guys that were on MLS reserve teams or sitting on MLS benches the year prior. We had uh, kids who came straight out of college and with very little professional experience, maybe a stint overseas in, in Scandinavia somewhere for a year to two years, and then they come back over. Uh, and then also we look at the, the youth players in the region as well. And I think our, our philosophy now is, you know, we'll, we have our core of players. And I think that's something that we've done a good job at. When I first got here in 2010, we really didn't have any players stay more than two years. It was one, two years gone. Right. And now, now we have a core of players like Leo Fernandez has been here since 2017. Um, Aaron Gian, Lewis Hilton, right. Who yeah, played Lewis. in St. Louis. He, he's been with us five years now, right? How about that kid's um, motor? I mean, does he ever stop running? No, never. Jeez, <laughs> never. remember him? Yes. And his hair always looked good. Well. And his hair looks phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, he looks Weird. the same when he walks off the field after the match as he did when he walked And he ran eight miles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Hey, let me ask you this about the, the, the youth setup, because there are a lot of, um, of your competitors in that USL Championship League that have USL Youth Academies, and one that comes to mind is Louisville City. Um, yep. And just surfing on your website and, and just being alive, I, I know you guys you guys are <laughs> active in the community, and you guys have juniors programs and, you know, kickaroos and young kids. It, it has, And I know it takes money and capital, is mm -hmm. is there any plans for the Tampa Bay Rowdies to develop a youth academy there, or is there just too many MLS academies there in Southern Florida for you to compete with? I don't want to say that there's too many MLS academies or other academies in the area to compete with. I think in the region that we're in, it's a very, very saturated market. You have about 50 youth clubs within a 40-mile radius of wow. the stadium which is a lot, that is right? A like even, even coming from FC Dallas, right? Yeah. You, you have your local youth clubs, which great. But when you look at like the competitive youth clubs and this is before FC Dallas started their Academy, yep. you had your three to four big ones yep. that you knew like, okay, the, this is where the, the best talent in the state of Texas or Northern Texas, this is where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you start a youth Academy, you, you can do it a couple different ways. I think we've thought long and hard about this and we're still, we're, we're currently working on building out a strategy for what our future plans are. The last thing that you wanna do is disrupt the market, right? And what I mean by that is, yes, of course we wanna bring in the young talent, 
And that's why every preseason we invite the top talent from the area to come and train with us and we take a look at them. Um, when we started preseason about a month ago, there were probably 15 to 18 trialists there, a lot of those being local youth players from several different clubs. Wait, when you say youth, though, how, how young are we talking? What's, give, give us an idea yeah, of that say, age. Yeah, game. I would say 16. 16's about the, the youngest, um, up to 17, 18. Um, but you're really looking at the 16, 17-year-olds that, that you bring out, and you try to see, okay, do they have one, do they have what it takes to, to take the next step onto the, the next body level. to bang in that league first. Yeah. But, and how, how do they act? How do they respond in a professional environment? They're not coming after school and just doing a training session, hanging out with their buddies and leaving. Um, these guys are fighting for their jobs. Right. So how, how do they respond to that? that? That's a big thing too, but I think it's all been positive. I think one of the things that we, we could do, we're not doing, we won't do is, Hey, we're going to start an academy and we're just going to start eating up clubs right that's that's not our model it never will be our model that's not something that we're even interested in that doing. sounds like a whole awesome. lot of parents <laughs> yeah <laughs> lot, right but i think we're at the place now we just opened uh a new training facility in tampa about three miles north of the airport um last january so it has two full-size natural grass fields, and then one full-size FIFA-approved uh, turf field, uh, and then it has a futsal court there as well. Um, and then the building's about 15,000 square feet, um, and I think it's probably one of the best training facilities in our league, and I would put it up against most major league soccer clubs' training facilities as well. Um, and I think that's starting to attract talent, right? So when we reach out to the youth clubs, when we reach out to the – directors of coaching or the youth boards it's listen we want to see your best talent and we want to invite them to training and now you have a story to tell as well right your your top players are coming to train with us and potentially we'll sign them to an academy contract potentially we'll sign them to a professional interesting. contract interesting right? let, let me let me segue this this really tees up nicely i want to i want to talk to you a little bit about the uh uh Top ten, the Tampa Bay Champions League, yeah, the high school uh, competition. The gym and, and crew down there have have gotten off the ground. Um, prior to them doing this, I mean, because I'm listening to you talk, and and I think your story is probably identical. The vast majority of soccer markets we know, and that is, so much is being derived via the club route, uh, primarily MLS Next Academies, you know, and then there's the trickle down. Um, what did it mean for you guys or what did you guys think whenever Jim and crew and, and I know Perry had a hand in it as well when uh -huh. they decided to uh, put put time, energy, money into the high school market and approach the rowdies. Yeah. And approached you guys to create this Champions League, which is obviously uh, just simply, you know, ranked teams. You know what it is. It's a tournament yep. for the best in the area. How how. How important was that to the communities? Uh, how cool was it for you guys to witness that get off the, you know, get launched? And how is it going down there? Yeah, so I think Jim approached me. So I've known Jim Hart since 2010, 2011, when he was still coaching high school soccer. 
And uh, one of the first impressions that I got from him was he he is he is an educator and he is a motivator. Um, and the kids respond to him. Uh, I think first time I met him, I went to one of his soccer camps called Marauder Soccer Camp. And there were young adults there training these kids. And I was asking Jim, like, where, where are you finding these coaches? And he said, oh, they used to play high school soccer for me. Um, and he won several state championships at, at Clearwater Central Catholic. And then he went on to Carrollwood Day School. And I uh, believe he won at least one state championship there as well. Did very well. But uh, he he approached us about the uh, this high school idea about five, six years ago. And I don't want to say that we laughed, but it was almost like all the best players play club. Nobody's playing high school ball, especially down here. Like up north where I grew up, high school ball, especially when it comes to private schools, that's like the top shelf of soccer, right? You have you have good club ball too, but it doesn't really resonate down here as much, or at least I thought so. And that, that was just an assumption that 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 I personally had. Um Neil, who was our coach who left for uh, for Barnsley, uh, was an assistant coach for Jim at Carrollwood Day School, uh, his last high school stop. And, and Jim invited Neil and some of our players, uh, former players now, uh, to be a part of this Champions League draw. And I was like, okay, this is this is kind of cool what they're doing. They're they're trying to get some their legs underneath themselves and, and really start to build some equity with this. Um, and I think it was good, right? And it's it was good, but it, it's not where when it started, it's not where it's at where we are today. And Jim approached me a couple of years ago about like, hey, I'd love I'd love to play a match at Alang Stadium. I'd love to do the the finals there. And it got me thinking. And originally, and in, in full transparency, was like, we're not going to do that. Like, we don't let youth clubs play on our field. We don't let anybody play on our field. This is this is the first team stadium, and we just kind of shut it down. After yeah, we that. kicked the baseball team out ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so you know, Jim kept pressing on it, and I think one of the things where the light bulb finally went off is. And I'm not against club soccer by any means. I think I think it's it's good for the sport. The sport continues to grow through club soccer, but the uh, the access to high school soccer is what really turned the light bulb on for me. And there are several kids who play high school sports in this area. Their parents can't afford to play club ball or pay for club ball, um, and they don't have the money to invest in going to tournaments every weekend and, and doing all those things. So it was like this this is something that we as an organization we want to get behind, we want to support it, and we want to see it continue to grow. Um, this past off season, I want to say I, no, I guess it was last season, last October, we had Asamoa Jean, uh, who played for the Ghana national team, beat us in the 2010 World Cup in extra time with his goal, right. top goal score from Africa. He came to visit us and we had him sit down with Jim as well and started talking about hey listen down the road this is way down the road but how do we start getting some some of the high school teams from from ghana over here to play in more of a national tournament that derives from the tampa bay top 10. um and there were some really really good conversations there and we continue to collaborate with them but jim's one of those guys he doesn't take no for an answer and he's always trying to figure out like how do we make this work 
And so we came to an agreement this year. And I think the biggest thing for us was we not only want to be, we not only want to support it, we want to be the first professional club to really amplify this tournament. Awesome. So, so we, uh, we decided to host the, the boys final and the girls final at Alang stadium. And we wanted the high school kids to have the same experience that the pros do. So it wasn't just come into the stadium and, you know, warm up and, and then, you know, you start play. We gave, you know, the top seed access to the home locker room, lower seed access to the visiting team locker room. We had international walkout with, with the, uh, the Champions League music going. We had pregame warmups going with, you know, the same hype music that we have for, for the pro team. We had a PA announcer. We had the LED ribbon boards running with, uh, with the local sponsors for the tournament. And I think it was, it was a really, really cool experience for the kids. I think for the parents, for the students of those schools. And now we're at the point saying, okay, we've, we finished year one, year two, how do we make this bigger? How do we get more people into the stadium? Do we, do we, and, and this is more for Jim, but something that I've proposed, right? Do we play the semifinals in the morning and then the finals at night? Or do we do the semifinals a couple of weeks before so we can really promote this to get more people out to the right. stadium so we have a bigger crowd? So this year we had right around close to all in for the boys and girls, about a thousand people here. I told Jim, I want to get, get it to a place where we have 3,000, 4,000 people in here. And that's going to take time to build, but the Rowdies support high school soccer. Um, and we're going to continue to invest our time, energy, and efforts into helping this tournament grow. And, uh, and it's starting to take off in other cities. That's awesome. Like, St. Louis. Yeah, yeah that, and you mentioned St. Louis, and I want to say that because the numbers, the metrics, 1,000 people, you want to get to 3, 4. You know what's interesting here, which is like these guys in the high school and, and, and developing it here and, and piggybacking off of what Jim did and you guys did. It's so exciting, and I watch and I listen to the buzz on social media. You guys had 1,000. You want to get 3 or 4. Or our state championship, which is at Soccer Park, in high schools, there's often times where there's three or 4,000 people there. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to sell this high school. This, I mean, the fans are going to come to this thing. It, it, it's going to be awesome when they get it done and get it going here in Missouri. Well, I think, too, you talking about the Ghana uh, national and the idea of bringing the teams over in the future. If this does percolate and take hold in other markets, you're really looking at the opportunity to have like a four or an eight-team tournament where you're pulling – STL's best, Tampa's best, et cetera, et cetera. That could be cool, you know? And and I think it, I think it's great that an organization like you guys, you don't have to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. you, it's So kudos to you because, uh, you know, most pro orgs, they're going to want to protect the grass over like, nah, this is not a brand identity thing. Let's, <laughs> let's save the Zoysia, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Zach. No, I, I just, I think... The idea of anytime you can bring exposure to a new group and by bringing those high school kids and their families into Outlang Stadium, that's an, a memory they won't forget. And they're going to want to more likely support the Rowdies. They're future fans. Exactly. And mm -hmm. not only that, I think when you bring in an international element, whether it's Ghana or some South American clubs, the more you expose outside groups into those tournaments, 
the more likely you are to build the brand as well. And so I love JB's idea of, and I know when we talked to Jim Hart and when we talked to the folks here in St. Louis, there was some talk about doing an interstate type uh, cup final as well. So I think there's, there's big plans coming that I think it's great. So what's uh, we're running at the end of your time here. Uh, Tampa Bay routed. You got your first game on Jared, Mr. Calendar uh, Saturday, the 16th. Is that right? Yeah, let's go. Jared knows the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> he does his homework. He acts like yeah. he he acts like he doesn't, but he does his homework. Sexy wow. and different. <laughs> uh, what's what's the season look like for you guys? Over under? You five hundred? Are you six hundred? Are you running the table? You feeling good? Yeah, um, I wish we were running the table, but that that just doesn't <laughs> happen in soccer, right? So, right, right. Um, no, I think. I think we're going to be a force to be reckoned with, right? Nice. But at the end of the day, we'll we'll see we'll see what what happens on the field. I think you know you take everything game by game, and I know that's more of like the political answer, right, or the cookie cutter answer. Mm-hmm. But but at the end of the day, like I mentioned at the beginning, um, this team's on a mission. There's there's bitterness in their mouth from getting knocked out early in the first round last year to Birmingham. Uh, several of our core players and, and people in the front office we tasted it in 21 um we went to louisville city in 22 lost in the eastern conference finals uh we've we've taken our our bumps along the way but i think we're we're ready to make a run at this thing right i mean last year we had several players injured mvp of the league leo fernandez lost him before the season started uh two to three guys that we we consider to be key signings out for the year. Lewis Hilton was out for most of the season and we still finished second in the Eastern conference. Uh, but we got walloped in the playoffs. So I think, uh, the goal is to obviously make a deep run. I think the other reality is the season is completely different than the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, It's a new season. Yeah, tell, right. tell Jim and tell Perry and tell these guys to share this episode because here's the deal. <laughs> There's 2 million fans in that, in, that, in that league last year in USL Championship League. You guys were clearly in the top half. Louisville City led the – how do we fill Lang Stadium? You know, and that's going to help your team get over the top too. You guys need 7,000 people plus there every game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, agree with you. Hey, We've, cheaper beer. <laughs> can't, can't help you on that one, Jared. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think that's the big thing for us. When you even go back to when the Rays first acquired us, I think we were averaging thirty five hundred, mm-hmm. four thousand fans. Stadium only seats seven thousand. Last year, sold out handful of games and uh, ended up averaging right around six thousand. It's a fortress here yeah, when we play cool. at home. It is not easy to win here, um, and the supporters get into it, and we have one of that's the best cool. supporters groups in the league. So, again, we, we always preach if we get you to a match once, you're going to come back, and you're eventually going to buy season tickets with us and become a long-term supporter of the club. Um, so we have a lot of work to s- still cut out for us, um, but the expectation is to have a packed stadium. That's uh, awesome. We have. Well, dude, thank you very much for your time, man. Uh, Ryan, this has been a pleasure. Really, we're gonna we're gonna be embedded in this thing. We'll be following you guys. <clears throat> Actually, 
uh, Jared's new buddy Devin Kerr is probably going to be call, calling oh, some of your games, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's also a good guy to help grow the league because. Uh, and I was telling these guys when we had him, that guy's a complete joy to listen call a game. He, he, has, oh, yeah. he has no agenda. He's he's approachable. He's like you're having a beer with him. Uh, I love I love watching a game that he's calling. So that's great yeah. for the USL. Well, we'll 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 continue to stay in touch. Uh, actually, Louisville's not far away. Mm-mm. We'll do a little road trip. Meet you on the road. Do you travel with the um, team? Uh, yeah, not not to every away match, but uh, usually like seven or eight matches, about half the away matches every mm. year. So you guys can do Louisville, but I also throw it out there if you guys ever come down, you guys can do it out of our our stadium. We'll Ooh, set you up. That'd be fun, dude. That'd be blast. You'll be stadium, on the yeah. I, I have microphones. We'll travel. Hey, you guys haven't <laughs> met Jeremy's wife, Tammy. She's an ace, dude. You guys would like Tammy. Cool. We'll bring them all in. Hey, Ryan, man, we're going to let Ryan. you get back to your evening. Thank you very much. Best of luck with the rest of your season or your upcoming season. And uh, we'll be in touch. And uh, fellas, thank you for your time. Thank you. Ryan, Thanks take so care, much. man. Best of luck, buddy. Appreciate it.